It's Friday, December 15th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 469 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. And this is Wayne. All right, we're going to leave this episode off with a shout out to another podcast that is not even a gaming podcast, but this is something that some of our listeners are doing, or at least one of our listeners is doing, maybe two. I don't know if Daddy's starting or young or not, but he should be. If she's listening to an episode of Brodor's on, I don't know. Okay. So I will be on my best behavior. Until Dan gives me the thumbs up, at which point I will go full bro. Okay, I won't go full bro door because we haven't established what is on the big board of things that I'm not allowed to talk about even on a negative episode. All right. So for now, I will be a mature, rational, reasoned adult. But there's a podcast done by Jason Fisher with his daughter, Alora Fisher, and it's a father-daughter podcast, and what they're doing is they are reading books and then they get on this podcast and they discuss the books and the things that they saw in the books. So if you want something that's a nice family friendly speculative fiction sort of podcast that Broder will never be on that. Yeah. I'm presuming Broder will never guest on if he does, that's going to be interesting. Then check that out at reading dash radio.com. I can pretend I go to work every day and pretend. Don't we all? Was that the thumbs up? Yeah, go ahead now. So if your children are listening, you want to turn this off. When I learned to read, right, we've talked about my mother being an abusive, foul language, because I don't even want to make, you know, I should bleep the C word. My mom sat me down on the couch one day, right? And to teach me how to read, she handed me a frog and toad book. Okay. And every time I got something wrong... Are you serious? I am not kidding. Wow. Was she testing the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that she was just doing Satan's bidding. But any which way. I'm wow. Ho- I'm hopped up on whiskey sour, so let's negative this <laughs> shit And so, okay, I, now I'm, now I, this is completely off the show's topic, but now I'm fascinated. So you as an adult, Mm -hmm. I know you read. I love to read. Okay, right. You love, but but I'm dyslexic and I read quite slowly. Right. But what I'm trying to figure out here is one of the things that people postulated is that the required reading, especially some of the way that required reading is done in school may have a negative impact on a person's long-term development. Because at an age when you're still really internalizing these ideas, it creates a negative association between reading and, well, reading. So it creates a negative association. Like when I had to read Gatsby. Yeah, God, that book is horrible. Well, and see, that's nice. People, but not as bad as Wuthering Heights. It, that one was even worse. Is people read these books and either come away with a hatred of reading or hatred of that specific book. Mm-hmm which turns them off to reading books as an adult because that's what they associate it with. Now, we're taking this a step beyond that to you are getting beaten in the household over reading, and yet you don't have a strong negative association with it when you're an adult. I I think for two reasons, and this is getting much deeper than I had even, I was just trying to dick around. But so for me, in that scenario... 
part of your survival mechanism is acceptance. So if I'm engaging in the behavior that they want me to engage in, then I somehow will be favored or at least not looked upon negatively. So I developed an appreciation for that. But then we've talked about it on the show many a times how much I idolized my older brother. My brother was a reader and he was into science fiction and fantasy. And so because my mom really wanted me to learn to read, but then more importantly, I saw my brother gravitating to this style of escapism. I too gravitated to that style of escapism. And so as an adult, I very much have great appreciation for the worlds and places that both fiction and nonfiction can take you, the audience member. So I, I really do enjoy to read. In my case, I lived two miles outside the city limits, up on a hill, no one around. So there's really not much else to do. I wasn't socializing with people, so I was reading. So were you on the debate team? No. Because the thing is, when I was in high school debate, the people from like the small rural areas were the best debaters until they got pregnant. Because they only had two things to do. Yeah. Right. Now, in my case, I wanted nothing to do with any sort of organized anything school related. So I wouldn't have joined a team. Yeah. Okay. So going back to my original point about negative associations from childhood things, when I was younger, my parents, my mom in particular, really wanted me to be active and involved in things far more so than I wanted to be. And so I was in all kinds of extracurricular activities Mm. and youth sports and things like that. And as a result to this day, I really don't like being part of organized events, particularly persistent organized events. So to be clear, to be fair to the miserable that is my mother, she didn't hit me every single time I got something wrong. However, she would get very frustrated with me. I would get whacked. But I love people. I love communicating face to face. I love talking. I'm a brodeur, so I love hearing the sound of my own voice. And so for me, I really did gravitate to those social things. I was never athletic. I have no dexterity until it comes to pistols. But, you know, I just I love talking. I love debating. I love being with people. So I loved that stuff. Yeah. I generally dread almost every social event that I have. If it's repeated, I will have fun once I get there. I may enjoy myself in the moment. Yeah. But until that starts, I'm usually dreading it and waiting for somebody to cancel. Yeah. Well, and I know some of that for me and I'd assume for you as well, Wayne, comes from the general social anxieties. But I know that doesn't tell the whole story because this is something that predates the manifestation of my social anxieties. You know, this is something that I recall going back way back into my childhood. And I mean, that's as best as I can tell what caused it was being forced to participate in so many activities where in many cases I did not enjoy the activity and or did not enjoy the people that I was doing it with. That just created a lot of negativity in my mind about these things. Though sometimes I was okay at them. Like, I'm not super athletic, but one thing I found out just by whatever weird genetic lottery is I am an incredibly good soccer goalie. I went a season with a team where literally they never once scored against me. I There was not a single goal scored against me. I don't know why. And I wasn't even tall then. I was a tiny kid, you know, six foot one, lanky arms that can reach across two rooms. That's 
a much more adult thing. That didn't really happen. Dan will never let a ball get by him. Right? I just assumed it was his desire to be the only man on the field, one of two people out of 26 that are allowed to touch the balls. Yes. When balls are coming at me, I just can't help but reach out and touch them. (laughs) And Uh, grasp them. Yeah, exactly. Cradle them tight to the chest. Until they invent invent tit ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I love boobs so much. I know. I'm telling you, that's why that's not a sport. It'd be a scoreless game. Yeah. Right? Every single game would be scoreless. Yeah. There is no way. Every single game. I'd score. All right. Wow. All right, Wayne, go ahead to set up a serious role-playing topic off that. <laughs> After all that, huh? Uh, okay, well, Sunday we started a new game, uh, running a Necessary Evil game. Mm-hmm. We're doing it a little differently than any other game I've ever run before. We are not printing character sheets. Not printing anything. I'm not using the computer in any way as part of the game. I mean, and that seems like it's something that is very old school and common for a lot of people. I've never experienced it. So we're sitting there creating characters last week. I guess this was a couple weeks ago. Sitting there creating characters. And my first thought is, well, how are we going to get the character sheets? I don't have my laptop here to bring them up. And I just brought the book in and now we're suddenly creating characters. I wasn't planning on this. And I have that moment of paralysis of... I need a printed character sheet. And Chad just starts writing things down on a piece of paper and it kind of clicks that this is how people used to play. Well, writing things down was if you didn't have access to a church's photocopier, <laughs> in which case you went in there and that's where you made all of your character sheets because you photocopied. Because if you had a printer, and that's a big if, you had a dot matrix printer and you didn't have anything useful in terms of word processor word processors that exist but they were all absolutely terrible and those dot matrix printers were just absolutely ridiculous but what you could do is shoplift a five subject mead notebook from kmart well i know that that was the bottom barrel option so your next option was to photocopy it right but that meant you had to have access to a photocopier so you had to either convince mom and dad to photocopy at work or if, like in my case, where you were trying to hide all these terrible role-playing games from your parents, then you would wait until nobody was paying attention and slip off at church and walk into the church office, and you would photocopy them on the church photocopier while the pastor's up there preaching a sermon about how bad role-playing games getting are. Ri- getting ripped on sacramental wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're Southern Baptist. It was, oh. you, you could get torn up on Welsh's grave, and that was about <laughs> as far as, that was, that was as hardcore as it got. Well, see, and I came to this so much later in life that by the time I started gaming, I already had an office job. Yeah. I had access to printers. Well, yeah, and, I mean, it was only a few years ago. So, I mean, you're talking, what, 2012? I mean, thereabouts. I mean, I may be off by a little bit, but not too far. Yeah, it was late 2000. So, so late single digit odds. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's see. Yeah, okay. 2008, 2009, something like that. Yeah. So I don't know the exact date, but the point is that we're not talking. This wasn't something you were doing back in the 80s or 90s. Right. So, yeah, if you couldn't get a hold of a photocopier, which was quite an ordeal, I mean, that was no small task. Then your final step was you take out a piece of notebook paper or typing paper, not printer paper, typing paper. And you just started handwriting. 
all of your stuff. Yeah, and as these uh, characters are being written down on the sheets, it, it has this moment of, I don't know, it's just like feels freeing. So I decided at that point I was going to try to do as much as possible without any technology printing, anything like that. So all of my game notes are all lined paper. I have a notebook that where I have dividers in it for different sections, but everything is handwritten. Usually when I run a game, if I'm not using the laptop in front of me, I've at least written it all down. I've printed out maps. I don't handwrite it all. I type it, print, and have yeah. nice, neat charts okay. and things. And, and Wayne, let me give you a value to that. Apart from the novelty of using old tech, okay? There are situations where electronic means are not practical, are not available, or for one reason or another are going to be problematic to the game. Okay, for example, you might be in a convention hall where you don't have internet access. You might be in a place where you don't even have a power cord or a power outlet to run your stuff to. There might be a game where your group is real easily distracted by electronics. Maybe you yourself are distracted by electronics. Maybe you have a negative association because I've talked to some people where sitting behind a computer reminds them too much of work and they don't entertain themselves off of computers or, or whatever the way that, I mean, to me, it's all the same. Computers were a hobby decades before they yeah. were work. And so it doesn't bother me. But once again, going back to that negative association some people have with reading, some people have with computers. And so you want to use that old tech. And so there's a reason beyond just novelty to want to do it. And let me give you a couple ideas of things that we found, we being that generation, found that work. Get a three-ring binder. Okay, so not like a spiral-bound notebook, but a three-ring binder. I've got a three-ring binder where I can put pages in, take pages out. Exactly. You put some dividers in it. You have one for your NPCs. You have one for your plots. You have one for maps. Whatever it is that you need to run this game. How I have mine divided right now is I have one section for the players. Yes. It is information about their player characters, their powers, things like that, and maybe a few NPC names. I have a section for the aliens because this is a necessary evil game. So the the big space aliens are out there. Right. So I have a section for them. I have a section for the resistance. So the other supervillains in town. And for anyone who's not familiar with necessary evil, it's a game that uses the Savage World system. And what the plot of the game is, is there was an alien invasion of Earth. And they're superheroes and supervillains. And the superheroes rose up Justice League or Avengers style. And they fought the aliens and lost. And so the superheroes are either completely or effectively destroyed. And what that leaves in the vacuum is the supervillains who can obviously, in terms of motivation, run the gamut from this is an opportunity to do my evil to, okay, I may be an evil guy, but the planet just got taken over by aliens. And superpowers are outlawed. So... If they're caught, they could be executed themselves. So let's let's take a super villain who I think fits this pretty well. Lex Luthor, if the Earth got invaded, would not be on the side of the invaders. Nope. He would be doing everything he could to liberate Earth from these invaders. And so that's, for example, one of the types of characters you could play. Okay, so now continue. I I have a whole section around the resistance. I've created the hierarchy. Here's the person that's leading the resistance. Here's all the people under him down to 
this cell that's in the city. They're not part of that because they wanted to be a separate group that isn't actually part of the organized resistance. So that's another faction that's in the city. I have a city tab that is just locations around the city. And then I wrap it all up with a notes section where I'm taking, I haven't done this in a while outside of electronics where I'm taking notes of the things they do throughout the course of the game session to remind myself of it and come back to it. All right. Let me give you a very environmentally unfriendly bit of advice. Put each idea on its own piece of paper. One of the things that makes paper notes a real mess, and I actually need to clean up my skies of glass notes because this has happened to them. You get creep. So you start off with three or four pieces of paper. One or two, it has your NPCs. One or two, it has the plot. One or two, it has the character hooks. And then as the game goes on, you start writing notes in the margin. You have to bring the next week's plot. It looks like it looks like my notes from the Skies of Glass game. And so pretty soon, no, it's nothing like that. Yours are beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, they're voluminous, but they're (laughs) or voluminous or whatever. Voluminous. But the point is that no, they're they're quite easy to read. Mine are a mess. Pig vomiting. (laughs) I need to sort mine out and then reprint them and reorganize them. But if you put distinct ideas, for example, let's say you have an NPC who is more than just a description of appearance and personality. This is somebody who has a stat block and they take up a significant amount of room. So for example, put them on their own piece of paper. Yep. The resistance, every member of the resistance has their own sheet of paper. Because I tell you what is hard when you have notes like that. Oftentimes it's not finding a particular page. It's finding a piece of information that is buried on one of any number of pages. And so it's like, well, I've got 20 pages and this NPC's in there somewhere, and now I have to find them. I've tried doing a notebook before, just the spiral-bound ones, and that was the problem I ran into. Even if I had the dividers, it just didn't work. I had note sprawl. I could never find it fast enough. Yeah. And that's what made me do this three-finger. And you can never courtesy flush it. You can't tear out three pages and replace them with a different three pages or six pages if it needs expanding that are cleaner. Whereas a nice notebook, a three ring binder type notebook lets you change that stuff in and out. That is exactly why I did the three ring binder just so I could replace and put things in and out. So if, if Chad were here and we weren't discussing doing OSR style, you know, old school revolution style, game note recording chad would be espousing the glory that is one note well and you know what and i don't disagree with him at least generally speaking that's uh, how what i usually use to run my games out of is one note yeah I mean, there's i think there's a lot of value to internally linked documents but let's go back a little bit in technology wayne's going to know this this road or may not be inf- new information to you but when microsoft was first putting together the ideas that were the precursor of OneNote. It was a feature of MS Office where you could create basically compiled super documents that had, here's a Word document, here's a spreadsheet, here's a PowerPoint thing, and here's a table of contents. And you know what that was called? It was called Binder. If Wayne, am I getting yeah. them? It was Binder, wasn't yeah, it? Was it? Binder. Yeah, because of the fact that that's what it's based on. It's based on precisely what a three-ring binder already did. And so OneNote really is just a technological extension of that. Now, OneNote does have some great assets. It it has some great features and also has the great attribute of if you have power and if you have an Internet connection and if you're okay with having a device in front of you, 
then it does also give you portability. You can bring it up on any computer, even if you forgot yours at home. If you save your stuff there, it's always in one place. You know, it's it's what we call portability in the tech world. But Wayne, while I'm thinking about it, let me do a kind of a 90 degree turn here and give okay. you another bit of advice, which is have a section in back for extra and unneeded resources. What I mean by that, put some blank character sheets in there. As an example, put a few blank pieces of paper, put a few random encounters. And I don't mean random encounters D&D style. I mean like hook ideas for plot points. But put those in the back so you have all this excess stuff. So if somebody shows up and they forgot a character or their character gets killed or whatever, because of the fact you're going for a low-tech solution, once again, back in the day, if somebody's character died or they decide they didn't like that character anymore or they spilled soda on the character sheet or whatever it was that happened, then waiting for somebody to get to a photocopier to get them a new one, that might be a week or two or three. Whereas if you already had them on hand, if you needed eight, you printed 12. It's just how you did it. So Interesting. Ba- basically for when Kim Jong Piglet hits us with an <laughs> airburst nuke that causes a tremendous EMP, we're giving prepper advice for future games. Yeah, exactly. If you guys have... So in the Skies of Glass world, yes. this is how we would Look, game. Look, Skies of Glass may be a little too on the nose when that occurs, <laughs> but the point is we could still absolutely play it because of the fact that it's already in paper format in terms of my notes and so doodles. So when people go to the go to the super Walmart and they're stealing food and pharmaceuticals yeah. and clothing, we're going to be taking all the monopolies and raping yeah. them for the D6s. Precisely. Okay. At Office Max for paper. Ah. So one thing I did do, I don't have the the hooks or things like that yet, which I have done that in the past. I've had a, when I did the last binder that was a spiral one, I had one sheet that was just plot ideas yeah. that could be pulled at any point. I do have lists of character names that are not associated with anything because I am horrible with coming up with a name on the spot. Yeah. So particularly when you have aliens and Atlanteans, I pre-populated a list of names. So when those come up, I can easily just write down what it is well, next to the and name. Dude, you can get it all down to one package because of the fact that remember with the three ring binder, there are all kinds of things that can go into a three ring binder that are not paper. For right. example, card holders so you can put card holders in there because you can get three ring punched card holders and you put those in there and you can use those just like talking about like magic of the gathering cards magic of the gathering ones and you can put if you have any cards that are involved in the game ability cards or if you want to grab some of the the great like uh, random encounter ideas or npc ideas that like inkwell puts out you can stick those in there. Another one that can go in there is there are these pouches that zip open and close that you can put school supply type stuff in. So you can put your pencils, a pencil sharpener, your oh, dice in there. That I hadn't thought of. That would be very A handy. lot of them have a pocket for a calculator. Now, I don't know that Savage Worlds necessarily needs one. You're playing Battletech. Good God, you need that calculator. Yeah. Another great one is have a tab of Quick reference. Now, I once again don't know how useful this is in Necessary Evil, but like in Battletech, what we would do is we would print off a quick reference guide that had the hit locations, it had the the punch locations, the kick locations, the critical hit chart, the vehicle critical hit chart, the missile tables, all that kind of stuff, and we put it on one page 
and stick it in the back of the binder. So rather than flipping through books trying to find all of it, it was on one cheat sheet. And you, if another game, let's say talking about D&D, you could get similar ones for equipment or ones that had stat blocks that were sort of minimized down to just a couple lines for the really common monsters. And you could put that in the back as a quick reference so that you didn't have to even open your books. And, I mean, if you did this right, you could get it down to where the binder was your game. That I mean, you could theoretically even completely forget the main books at home. But if you had that binder, you had it all. You know, what I'm finding with this, for some reason, and I don't know why, I cannot for the life of me put my finger on what causes this. It feels very free. It feels like past games, I've limited myself in a lot of ways, that just doing something different like this that's taken me out of the box I've been in has freed up things that I wouldn't normally do. One thing I've always been particular about is when I create NPCs, I typically follow the rules of building characters. So my NPCs are usually statted just like a player character, potentially. I don't really vary from that. I was creating a NPC for the particular game, one of the resistance people, and I got to the power level and I was reading the powers, the particular power and the limitations on it. And it's like, what level would this need to be to do what I want it to do? And I looked down at the sheet of paper where it says the power name. And I don't want to give it away just in case anyone, Chad or Beth listens, but they won't. And instead of the character level, I wrote plot powerful. <laughs> I have never done anything like that in my entire GMing career. Actually just said, this is what I want it to do. It does it. Wayne, there plot are, powerful is the actual words I wrote on the sheet of paper. There are a lot of ideas that operate along a pendulum. People go from one absurd extreme to the other. And there are things that we have said are absolutely terrible ideas. And... Part of the reason for that is sometimes, many times, they are terrible ideas. But other times, it's because of the fact that we have seen them either so horribly misused or so horribly overused that we'd be happy to never see them again. Plot powerful is one of them. Could you argue with me that there is a role for something being plot powerful within the context of the right part of the right kind of game? And I would have to absolutely say yes. Yeah. And this was a case of what I was setting up for the story of this that made this NPC really interesting. And I am proud of this NPC. I can't wait for them to find the reveal. You know what? They're not going to listen to it. Let's just give the reveal. One of the things I've set up is the resistance, of course, is run by this big supervillain. Every cell has a character called the middleman. Middleman. <laughs> not from the TV show. Not from right. the TV show, but I do like the TV oh, show. Oh, God, I'm a fan. The idea is the character is basically multiple man from the X-Men. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Timmy Maddox, where, yeah. Yep. Every one of these resistance has a version of that same person. His power is the duplication or clone power. The limitation that the power has written means you can only do four or five copies of it. He has plot powerful version of it. Every cell has a version. When that version dies, the original one back with the main supervillain... Splits off another Gets one. all the knowledge, <laughs> splits off another one, sends it right back with more resources. That's how every cell doesn't know anything about any other cell. They have a middleman that is the middle person between them and the main organization. 
But right. and the middleman facsimile does not have the knowledge of middleman prime. Right. And doesn't but are, are any of the others. Gotcha. Right. But when they die, all of that knowledge transfers back to prime who splits off a new one and sends right. it out. And that was the one of the book as written. That power didn't work from a plot standpoint. That was a really cool idea. I wanted to happen. I wrote down plot powerful. Well, right. And as a player, I would absolutely not feel cheated by that at all. Yeah, it's not like I created a villain that has a plot powerful laser. Yeah. And it's not even something against the players, but it's right. something out there that I think is a really cool idea. Yeah. It's a See, and that's what I'm talking about. You're not overusing or misusing the the idea. You have something that's plot powerful, but it's not antagonizing the party by being true. Right. It's not antagonizing the player characters and it fits within what's going on in the game. And so you have found the proper context, both in the meta game and the in characterness yeah. of the game. And it's the kind of that. thing I never allowed myself to do when I was jamming before. Yeah. Something about doing things differently clicked in my mind. And like I said, I looked at the sheet of paper and I wrote plot powerful. And I have never done anything like that before. And I'm really proud of the character. I think it's an interesting way to have set up all of these resistance cells. So when Middleman Prime, so let's say Middleman 37 gets mm -hmm. killed, uh -huh. right? Middleman Prime absorbs all of that knowledge. Yep. When he splits off Middleman 38, does Middleman 38 know what Middleman Prime knows? Yes. All right, so there's there's an interesting adventure idea because I want to kill Middleman 37 so that Middleman Prime has to create Middleman 38. Then I want to rendition Middleman number 38 so I can interrogate. Extraordinarily. Him. Yeah. Right. Yes. Extraordinarily yeah. rendition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a wonderful plot point that yeah. could come up during the course of the game. I've actually thought about what that a lot. What if the aliens capture Middleman? Exactly. And, and keep him alive. Don't allow yep. him to die, but He always has something on him to kill himself. Right. A cyanide capsule, a grenade, ready to do that, but you catch him unconscious. You pull out the cyanide capsule. Or, right. Well, there's your adventure idea is that we're not we're not going to rendition 38. We have to go find and we have to break into the alien facility and kill 38 or kill him or free him. One of the right. two. Another thing you could do with that is some kind of psychic influence to where you get number 38 to think he is prime and therefore cannot die because if he dies, he's dead for real. And all the other copies right. go with him and it shuts down the resistance network. And so maybe some leaked intel is worth his survival because it means the organization functions. And in truth, he's just a copy. But he doesn't know that because of psychic influence or whatever. There's a lot you can do with this, yeah, Ryan. And that's why I love it. And it's I wouldn't have been able to do it if I did what I normally do and build it strictly off of the rules in the book. Let me give you another one. If you can find one of these for a reasonable cost, they are godsends for this style of game note keeping. Erasers. They go down really fast and they make a huge mess. But you can get these things that are called like gum erasers or I can't think what they're called exactly. But it, it's kind of like clay and you can like huh. knead it in your hand. And when you erase stuff with it, it almost just wipes the graphite or whatever it is away and doesn't make a huge, terrible mess in the process. And what mess it does make, because it's like a clay, you can just kind of pat back up and it goes right back into the you know, main mass. And it's also a lot of fun to play with if you're a fidgeter. It just gives you something to keep twisting yeah. in your fingers. Which I, I've realized there's no fidget cubes on the table anymore. 
Uh, no, I actually I wasn't the one that moved them. I don't know where they went. Yeah. Oh, they're all over there by Beethoven. But I think part of the appeal of this wine, and I, I am curious to hear what you have to say when and if you ever put your finger on the subconscious appeal that this has for you. But for me, if I was to do this, or I wouldn't say if, I mean, I'm doing it right now with the Skies of Glass game. I don't have a binder, but it's all paper notes. There's no computer over there, as you guys know. Right. Once in a rare while, I'll use my phone to look up something incidental, but that's the exception. That's far from the rule. I've even printed off the maps of the area, and that's primarily what I'm using to figure out where you guys are in terms of the state of Missouri or locations within Herman or, or any of that stuff. But I think some people would say for them it's nostalgia. Now, for you, obviously, it's not it's nostalgia. Not. And I would go with something else, which is the same reason that I think most people prefer actual dice over an electronic dice roller. We are tactile creatures. Yes, it's very visceral to have it right there. Exactly. And so when you have a notebook, you can flip through and you see things in it and you can write things in it and erase things in it. And all of your stuff is there in front of you. It's not a series of icons on a desktop. You know, it's a pouch full of your supplies and it's sections full of your notes and whatever. And if you get stuck up, there's something you can flip to to give you inspiration or another value I found in it is sometimes you remind yourself because while you're flipping through trying to find thing X, you stumble across thing Y that you forgot about, which clicking on an icon and going directly to a link, you would not have seen because you wouldn't have been passing there. But there is something very tactile, very visceral, very reptilian brain about having these items that you can touch and hold. And so I think some of what you're getting out of it might be that. Well, I also just realized you could potentially use the binder as a GM screen if you wanted to do that. Doesn't make a difference to me because I either roll out in the open or I use a dice tower now because everyone knows how horrible dice rolling I do. So they got me a really nice dice tower. Yeah. And I use that. So I generally don't use a GM screen except for my Satanic Panic Mm -hmm. game because I feel like that to do something throwback to late 70s, early 80s, I need to have a GM screen. So I got the Savage World, the Pinnacle, blank GM screen, and then I made my own custom GM screen for Satanic Panic. When I did Mutants and Masterminds, I used the screen, not because I didn't want them to see anything I was rolling, but because I wanted the charts and graphs that came on it because they were quick references. Yeah, see, I just just wanted to have printouts of old articles about Dungeons and Dragons being evil and then sort of the uh, scrapbooking collaging that I did with like chick tracks and old art and that sort of thing. I love that. It sounds awesome. Yeah. So speaking of which, may I, I've not done this before, but I'm going to solicit aid from the fan base. I need for my satanic panic game. I need crown Royal bags. Because the only, at least one, the only, because back in the day, we didn't have dice bags. No, you're Everybody put their shit in a Crown Royal bag. Yeah, and what's funny is I didn't know anyone who actually had Crown Royal. Right, but they found a bag. (laughs) Yeah, they always had the bag. you, You probably don't know this. My first dice bag, when I showed up at my first game, Dan running it. They have a Crown Royal bag waiting for me. Yeah. And that was my first dice bag. That's how you have to start. I I don't want it because I don't want to drink Crown Royal because I'm a snob. But I do want at least one Crown Royal bag. And I need some. Did you know I think they do now sell the bags 
as standalone items. You're kidding. No, I, well, I never mind then. Well, I'm going to get that on the okay. Internet. Well, then here's what I'm going to say, brother. Google it. If I'm wrong, and I, I'm 90 some odd percent sure I'm correct because somebody showed it to me not that long ago. But if I am wrong, then we'll re put out the solicitation. But, and this is something everyone at home can do too, or if I find I'll put it in the show notes, is I think Crown Royal did start selling the bags as a standalone item. Right. So you can get them sans the, the whiskey. Because my next session of Satanic Panic in Kansas City, I need to show up and just plop my Crown Royal bag full of a hodgepodge of dice onto the table. Yeah. Like taking my big bull scrotum and just slapping it on the table. You know, I you have gotten. I've seen that, haven't you? What's that? The bull. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Chris Hussey's oh, bull yeah. scrotum yeah, dice yeah. bag. So, oh, I Chris Hussey's scrotum I've seen. I've not seen the dice bag. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I've taken two, and I call this mostly laziness. I don't like to take dice around with me. So anywhere that I game, I've left dice bags. I have a small dice bag out here at Dan's house for Skies of Glass. All I need in are D6s, so that's all I have in Dude, it. Dude, I have like half a dozen bags all overflowing with dice, and I have lost all of them. This, uh, at some point, when I finally have Alzheimer's, it's going to be like an Easter egg hunt, and every day I'm going to refine one. Because even sitting right here right now, I don't know where any of them are. And so I just keep stealing other people's dice, because I do not know. Like I, Once again, I have like half a dozen bags of dice. I don't know where any of them are. Wow. See, I pray that my nephews like me when they're adults, because when I'm a crazy old person and I don't have children to deal with all of my shit when I'm dead, they need to come and clean the all house three of up. us. All three of us have the exact same thing going on. We have to be incredibly nice for nieces and nephews, because otherwise, who else is going to make sure we're taken care of in the home? Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at is I got to make sure that they really love me. So my, you know, nurse isn't beating the crap out of me or something without yeah, them getting or involved. pegging you. Well, it depends on how hot she is. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, all right. Tapping out. <laughs> I know. So I'm talking about. <laughs> I really think that we should use some of that sweet Patreon money to get a board to hang on the wall here of all of the things that I'm not allowed to address during even a negative episode. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, first we, I mean, I already, I already know the big bullet points. Right. We've gone over it. I don't think we need to list it. I here. think what we're going to have to but. do is we're going to have to have like a, a parents meeting where Chad Wayne and I sit down and it takes at least two of the three, because I know there's a lot of things that may end up on there individually, but yeah. I don't think two out of three of us would agree on yeah. all of you know, them. You know what else we should do? And I don't know what an insufferable pain in the ass it would be to take the mics and the recording equipment to fear the Con 11. A but, huge pain in the ass. So we need to do perfect. We need to do <laughs> a host Q&A at fear, so the Thursday night. We get a few beers in us. Mikey Mason's done his set. We've had a blast. Now what we do is we set up a table with mics and we get all the hosts past and present. And the audience may ask us ask us anything. Have you looked through our show's feed? We did that for like six or eight Fear the Con straight and they were freaking disastrous. Well, then let's have another disaster. You haven't had a bro door disaster. <laughs> That's true. We haven't. Well, there, 
you know, there is a thread for that on the forums. Yeah, Ask I know, a host. but you know, but uh, I, okay, I'm well, bad maybe, with social media. Well, maybe we can have like an after hours, like in the VIP suite or something. I love that. Of like just Brodor unhooked. Well, no, I'm not saying that because we all need to be there because I'm just one. No, no, no. All right, but I'm just uh, saying that when we have attempted this, the episodes have generally been great for the people that are present. Right. Because. It's very in the moment. Right. But for the people listening at home, all they hear is other people having a great time and, right. and interacting. And there's something that's definitely missing from that. And the show content was always kind of lacking. We had one or two episodes in there that were actually pretty good. The one Bob Arns did with us about artificial intelligence, I thought actually panned out pretty well. But most of them were pretty crappy. But what One I- of them led to the most awesome thing I have ever been a part of. This was at one of the Fear the Cons. I don't remember which one it was, but we were doing a sound check and spontaneously broke out in a uh, Bohemian Rhapsody that then the entire audience joined in as well. That wasn't, I know the Fear the Con you're talking about. It was at one of the ones in the Maryland Heights Convention Center. Yep. We were up on the stage and we brought in people from one or two representatives from every podcast that was there. And I had the only mic. And there was, it was like, we had one dangling from the ceiling or yeah, something. Yeah, and we, we couldn't get the other ones working, so I was holding the only hot mic. And I don't remember if I started or somebody else did, but somehow, somebody started Bohemian Rhapsody, and the entire convention sang the entire song front to back. Somebody who was there who has better memory than I do is going to have to remind me how that started, because I, I don't recall. I remember the yeah. thing, but I don't recall. It was very cool. So... With your idea, Broder, maybe this is something we can do for the Patreon people as a negative. That I think it's going to have to be a negative. We, get, we gather their questions. Well, okay, this is a conversation we should have off the mic. So. All right. Yeah. So, but I'm sorry. I know I've been mumbly and blurry and <laughs> so don't be mad at me. Don't vex me. Don't hex me. Don't curse me. And don't mail me a Ouija board. What? I'm terrified of Ouija board. Okay, that's... now I know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> now no, I know yeah. what we're doing. No, if you're no, the con. no, 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 I'm sure I will not touch. Thing. We are doing a. I, that's I, fine. It'll no, be like it'll be like I, me, Wayne, and Chad. I do and not want to be in the same room. And we're gonna ask this. I Ouija. won't touch. I'm not even kidding. I will not touch the. Thing. Me, Wayne, and Chad are gonna ask this Ouija board <laughs> questions about you. <laughs> yeah, and then we're just gonna Ouija board. Oh. This is not cool. We need to set the mics up out there at the table (laughs) and do it right down here. This is outstanding. Well, whatever ends up happening at the convention, I do at least know we're going to end this episode. We'll move on, right? Brodor needs to get home. And so check the show notes. I realized the ending of this episode was kind of like the ending of Lord of the Rings. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it stopped and then went on for another hundred pages. We managed to take a series of shitty books and make them interesting, but have too many endings. Got it. <laughs> so that wasn't where I was going, but okay. I was just going to say it ended and then had another several hundred pages. But thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.